Hello followers, hello listeners, welcome back to Mentally Sound's Life in Lockdown podcast series. We're at, at episode 32. Um, my name is Ricky Thamen. Yes, Mentally Sound, just as a reminder for you lot out there, um, we are a mental health and mental well-being show. So as a disclaimer, please, as you know, we always say every every week, please, um, if you find that certain topics are a trigger for you, please go out there and see your GP uh, your 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 nearest therapist or your nearest clinic because we do urge you you know this has been a hectic year which is why we did this project that we urge you to seek the the rightful help that you guys deserve so yes um this is going out on spice fm um every tuesday at one o'clock so um um if you're listening to this on the tuesday one we just recorded this last night so it is, it's probably one of our most freshest episodes that you'll get to hear um Yes, so as as a reminder, um, Mentally Sound is was a, a radio show, still is a radio show, but as um, as this, this is a pandemic year, um, and when I talk to my colleague about what we should, um, how we should respond and touch base with our listenership, we decided to set up this uh, Life in Lockdown podcast, and Spice FM very kindly uh, agreed to to broadcast this because initially it was just going to be a social media thing, but we have the the advantage of having both platforms. So thank you as ever, Spice FM, for that. Um, a reminder, if you are listening on our social media, um, on Twitter, we're at underscore Mentally Sound, all one word. On Facebook, we're at Mentally Sound Radio Show, and on Instagram, Mentally Sound Radio. Before I introduce uh, my, my esteemed colleague, uh, just a quick thanks, a quick update, because uh, last week um, we were invited to speak to a an online ceremony because... If uh, dedicated listeners remember from far back as 2015, the year that we we started, um, we won an award with the Marsh Awards run by the uh, Marsh Christian Trust and the Mind Charity. So they got in touch with us quite recently to ask us how we are, how what the challenges we've been up to since 2015, you know, the last last five years. And certainly there's been a lot to talk about. So my, my myself and Nikki um, um, sort of freed up the day um, last Thursday to uh, take part on their on their online ceremony and um, yeah it was really good to talk to um, people like Duncan out, out there and Bianca who, um, Deborah part of the um, Mosh Christian Trust who, who ran the awards so we give an online a brief sort of five minute yet very sort of uh, we had a lot of information in hence why why myself and Nikki um, had several dry runs in, in doing this and we're going to talk a bit more about that because uh, I'm going to introduce her now. So, hi, how are you, Nikki? Welcome back. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm all right. Um, I'm a little bit buzzing from last week's uh, online ceremony that we did when I was over at uh, your brilliant new wellbeing hub that you, you've uh, set up over in Prado. Um, it was great to commute over there, by the way. Um, I post on Instagram almost every station that we that I stopped at on my way because <laughs> they were all so scenic. Uh, whilst you know, because that rural part of just outside in Newcastle, as you enter Northumberland, is is like a, a beauty spots that the people should know more about. Oh, it's lovely. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it was a great day that day, wasn't it? Um, you got a lot of positive feedback. I was, uh, I was distinctly remember your phone pinging away after we finished. <laughs> yeah, it did. Um, and I was thinking about that, and I think it's because of the. Um, obviously, I don't know if the listeners know. I've, I've lived around a little bit, so mm. have family in South Africa. So, and then living in Asia, friends, old clients. So you Asia. literally had a worldwide response. You know, I did. So, wow. I did. I should have taken a um, 
a, a read on where each post was coming. But if I remember correctly, I had from China, Malaysia, Singapore, Australia, Johannesburg. I had wow. some in um, Europe. I had Denmark. I had um, Thailand. So all over. So it was a global response to our to our little um, five-minute appearance. Well, there you go, Mosh Christian Trust. I hope you're listening to this because uh, you've got some extra... <laughs> to get um, yourselves on the global map. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've, thanks to Nikki, you've put yourself on the global global map there. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and extra kudos again to you, Nikki, because we're talking this week about men's mental health and we're going to be talking quite candidly and you've fantastically brought on, um, through through positive networking, um, a, a, a brilliant guest to this week's show. His name is Ben Gash. Um, he's going to talk candidly about um, his situation regarding his mental health, also what happened in the workplace. And uh, we're going to talk a bit about postnatal depression in men because I think it's an area that we need to talk more about. Currently sitting alongside Nikki um, in her wellbeing hub. Um, so I'd like to welcome Ben Gash to the show. How are you, Ben? Um good Ricky how are you I'm, I'm, I'm great um, even better for having a guest like yourself to come on and talk about your experiences um, Ben um, before we talk uh, about the the cut and thrust of, of, of this this uh, this week's um, podcast the topics um, tell us first of all what kind of uh, year that we've had you know in this year of the pandemic yeah it's um, it's been interesting mm-hmm. it's been up and down it could have gone I think two ways yeah um, for me personally uh, yeah, from kind of the, the start of the year, um, thinking everything was going to be fine, and you know, as you do mm. every year, it's the best year ever, it's going to be a good one. Mm. Um, went into the year with open eyes and kind of had my eyes opened even more as we went through it. Mm. So, well, from, from starting out in March, um, when the pandemic was kind of fresh and not realizing how long it was going to last necessarily, um, we kind of went through the whole process of this is lockdown, there we go. The um, the company I was with at the time followed a lot of the stuff, but I was kept on mm. um, to kind of transition clients onto like a virtual approach to working. Yeah. As things transpire, the, the virtual side of things isn't as fruitful um, mm. in terms of kind of making money for a business. Um, and as a result, um, I was furloughed yeah. and then subsequently lost my job. Mm-hmm. in August mm-hmm. um, that, that could have gone two ways luckily I, I dealt with it in a positive sure. way um, was found via LinkedIn great mm-hmm. place um, becoming more and more of a place I've found for people sharing more about them then I I, I started in a networking group just to promote um, the business and that's where I met Nikki right. Um and then Nikki obviously mentioned about the podcast on the show, mm. um, on the on the networking session, mm. um, and I just had contacted last week asking if you were looking for guests, mm. um, and it kind of brought me here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a year itself has been quite turbulent with a young child in mm. lockdown and losing jobs and job uncertainty. It's not, it's it's not been a great place to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's looking bright now. Mm. as a whole for me personally it's looking bright but mm. for others it's not and I think that's something that people kind of need to come to terms with that it's we're not out of this yet um, and it, it's it's going to be hard Yeah. but we the more we 
the moment I'm not saying people go to extremes and go on podcasts on, yeah. on radio yeah. um, <laughs> but if you can talk about it with someone it's not extreme that's not normal we does do that, this every week <laughs> does that make Nikki myself extremist are we, are we <laughs> that's not normal <laughs> It's, um, it's a way of doing it, um, and it's a it's a way of um, being a great platform. Well, it's it's great you're here, Ben, because I think on the latter half of what you what you said um, in terms of you know how you came on here, it just shows what how positive how positive networking can be, and how we can sort of find one another in this sort of thing. Um, I guess my first question would be um, something from what you mentioned about how you dealt with your you know the loss of your job that you said you re- reacted posit- positively. And I was intrigued that when you said that, was that because, given I know we're going to talk about this more in more depth uh, in a bit, but um, because of your past experiences and what you've been through, did you have that in mind as to kind of, because they call it positive mental attitude in your PMA, did you have that sort of, did you use that as a tactic to deal with what you were going through in a way, given your past experiences? In a way, yes. Um, I'd... I'd recommend the way that I did lose my job to anyone. Um, I know that sounds pretty silly, but when I explain it, it might make a bit more sense. Go ahead, we went, go ahead. We went on a trip to Edinburgh when they relaxed the lockdown rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and we took my daughter to the zoo, wanted to go and see the pandas. Um, and I found out that I was losing my job on the phone whilst looking at some pandas lying around. Oh, wow. Which, is, which, to be fair, isn't a bad way to do it. Um, it kind of puts things in perspective to think, you know what, the pandas are all right. Mm. Everyone else here is all right. I could be all right too. I kind of just need to pull my finger out and get things going. Um, so whilst we were there, I started, I started. I hadn't had the confirmation that I was losing my job, but that my job was at risk. Yeah. Um, I started then looking for something. I didn't wait to find out whether it was or not. I mean, I was, I was almost 90% certain that I was going to lose my job yeah. by the end of the week. Um, but I wanted to do something about it. Um, having a family, having bills, like, I couldn't really afford to be out of work for a long period of time. Mm. But I was also conscious that a lot of people from my industry, hospitality at the time, were Mm. losing jobs. So the talent pool at the same time would be quite quite full. Yeah, Yeah. there'll be a lot of people there. Um, So I thought the sooner the better for finding something. Um, I found myself, I got an interview um, on the Friday, which was the same day that I did lose my job um and a week later i actually got offered that job that i'd gone for the interview for um as it transpired i then had two other offers of employment which for me i feel incredibly grateful and lucky that i was in that position Mm -hmm. Um, i didn't go with the first um the first position that i was offered i I went with a different one as kind of things transpired um but but now I've I found that actually yeah it was it was a good thing that happened. Yeah. Mm. Um, maybe it was time for a change. Maybe mm. I didn't see that at the time. Mm. Um, I find uh, it a funny play. Sorry, I was going to find. I found it a funny play on words that in the midst of a pandemic you were looking at pandas. You know, panda pandemic. <laughs> pand- pandemic. Pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> should be there. Should be there. Should be some sort of uh, yeah. Should be some sort of slogan in that or something. We should all look at pandas in a pandemic. It might sort of. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna backtrack a little. Yeah, bit. I was gonna ask Nikki. Do you wanna do you wanna give a little bit insight to to Ben's yeah. ex- experience with that? So 
that also tells you about mindset, you know, so it looks about, uh, it really tells me a lot about your optimism level. So you're probably naturally a really optimistic person. You really look at life or the glass is half, half full rather yeah. than half empty. So a lot of people who tend to be looking more into like have a negative bias or really attached to that negative bias, they would have looked at that situation mm-hmm. in a completely different way. You know, they would have, probably even completely disengaged from that present moment, not being able to even be able to see, well, actually, everything is okay. Life is still ticking. Everyone's still laughing. Everyone's, I'm still here with my partner, with my child experiencing this moment. Mm-hmm. For them, it, the walls would have fallen in. So, you know, it just tells you where Ben is at in, mm-hmm. in his nature, really optimistic. And this is something that we need. So we've spoken in previous op- um, podcasts about the optimism and the hope and how we really need those. For me, mm-hmm. they're very much about building blocks mm-hmm. in terms of resilience. And this is what we need in this pandemic mm-hmm. is how do we create this resilience in us? Mm-hmm. And your key foundations for that is mm-hmm. that optimism being able to see something Mm -hmm. as not a full stop or a dead end but just as a opportunity so there's a potential in every moment and when we have a fixed mindset which will also create this negativity fixed mindset will only give you one option Mm -hmm. so someone who would have had a fixed mindset would have seen that as a oh no that's it Mm -hmm. you know in this pandemic where the you know the um, talent pool is flooded you know people are cutting jobs i'm not going to be able to find a job whereas optimism gives you a mindset of potential mm. so you can see the potential or you're able to see more and more potentials coming out of each moment and that's what you did yours was a perfect example of that you had three potentials how amazing mm. yeah. yeah it was it was good time and it was luck i don't i don't really know what it was it was the stars align and maybe yeah. but it's also that mindset that gave you the ability to yeah. be able to stay open to all of that you know whereas a closed mindset wouldn't have been able to have done that mm. well, a few years ago it could have gone the other way gone the other way yeah. so again it's, it's so variable you know um it's, it's something else earlier in the day might have triggered good positive moment which would have led him into this more optimistic mindset but let's say you'd had a particularly bad morning or a particularly bad couple of weeks you wouldn't have been as optimistic yeah and that would have just completely would have been that you know the straw that breaks the camel's back mm. right and ben also mentioned that he was a easy you know he's a, he's a young father so i'm just wondering with with that sort of mindset in mind would that have kind of created that optimism as well? Did that have a, a major input, do you think, as if opposed to, you know, if he was just on, you know, on his, on your own? Yeah, um, I think, I think having a support network really did help mm. with the, the pressure and responsibility. Yeah. Um, could again go two ways from mm-hmm. being, yeah. a, being a parent. Um, I mean, my daughter now, she's, she's two. Mm-hmm. Um, she's quite vocal. Mm-hmm. She likes to run around. It's it's hard to keep it tied down. Um, had I not found a job, yes, I would have probably become a full time parent because it is a job in itself. Yeah. Um, but the, the the pressure there to to want to strive for betterness for yeah. her, um, for my family, to to do that to find something. And in the spirit of um, of you know you know Nikki myself you know we were involved with the um, the ceremony last week. And that was to celebrate peer support. 
And I wonder, I wonder, Ben, amongst you and your peers, did you? I know we'll talk about again this a bit, bit more in more depth when we learn about more of your background. But did you find a lot of peer support this year amongst amongst friends um, in dealing with this sort of things? Maybe amongst other other young fathers like yourself. Yeah, I um, to be honest, I, I was one of the first in my group of friends to have children. But mm. since then, I've got I've got close friends who do have very young children. So a little, we're talking under six months, but they mm. they do understand what it's like and the pressures mm. that are there. So when I told them, and I was very candid in saying, "Look, my job's at risk, lads. I, I don't know what I'm going to be doing." And they were talking about um, potentially going away next year. They were talking about organising a stag day for one of the one of the other lads. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Look, I, I don't know whether I can commit to that right now. Yeah. Um, I've got a bit of uncertainty on the job front." And straight away, they jumped to say, look, are you okay? Can we do anything? And we can't necessarily meet at the moment or meet as a group as we normally would, but could we have a Zoom? Could yeah. we have a catch-up and see what's going on? Um, one of them messaged me separately and said, look, I know of, um, I know of this company that's employing at the moment. You may want to oh, check cool. that out and see about the CV. So I've got, I've got good friends. I've got friends that I've known mm. all my life that I know I would do the same for them. So I understand why they did it for me. And it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be you would do it because they would do it. We just have that understanding there. So as a network, we do. Um we understand each other. Um we're, we're quite open to talking about that mm. because there's there's a few of us who have had mental health struggles. Mm. Um and I think we, we can see we can see lots of different glimpses of ourselves in each other. Yeah, I think that's important in a group of friends to be able to to be there and comfortable with each other, comfortable enough to be able to talk about it when you need it. Nikki, in in the spirit of PFS, which which you were recently part of, um, how 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 important is is peer support at times like this? Oh, absolutely essential. Um, and I think what we saw, and I know we're talking about peer, but I'm going to expand it a little bit also into like a community. So mm. right at the beginning yeah. of the pandemic, we really saw the um, unity in all communities globally. Um, so whether we're calling it community or peer, it's, for me, it's the same thing, yeah. isn't it? It's very much for me, it's the same kind of idea. Um, and that was so important for people to be able to look beyond themselves, beyond their own suffering, beyond their own mm-hmm. shock, trauma, you know, uncertainty, fear, and recognize actually I'm sitting across or, um, you know, I'm a neighbor to or one of my family members or one of my friendship groups or one of my work colleagues is going through a particularly difficult time. And if I put myself into those shoes, I would never wanted to be left alone I would you know I would want someone to reach out and support me mm. so it's when we take ourselves out of our own environment and we recognize the suffering of the other individual if we put ourselves into their shoes recognize yeah. actually how scary must that be the kind of the emotions a person must be struggling with yeah. what can I do to help this individual alleviate some of that suffering mm. so taking it back you know i always talk about that self-compassion model yeah that's very much about the self-compassion so peer support mm. for me is it falls in the ethos of self-compassion is when you recognize the suffering of another individual mm. and you step up mm. without any expectation other than stepping into the space of supporting someone mm. so that their well-being is your only priority yeah for that moment obviously yeah you know 
um, and you're not expecting anything else from them, just giving for the sake of giving. It's fantastic. And what about what about as well, Nikki, from a, a male's point of view as well? Because guys, you know, are quite well known for not sharing and opening up. Hence, why we're doing this particular podcast. So, um, yeah, how how would you see it from from a guy's perspective? Then is it something you just got to keep keep on hammering through to encourage your opening up, or is there something within within us that makes it harder or you know it's it's just one of those things it's a is it a generational thing um i like I to think, think i like to think that us guys are opening up more and um, because we're I talking do, about i do believe that guys are opening up more um, and i think it's a layered approach to um managing uh, men's mental health um firstly you do have the generation you know ben and i were having a little chat before we came online with you ricky um, and definitely your generation is going to, you know, if you, you cannot go to a certain generation and go, hey, mm. I get that you may be going through a difficult time right now. You know, I'm here for you if you want to talk about it or how can I help you? It's just not going to be well received. Yeah. But the more people start to, the more awareness that is spread, the more other men see men talking and being open. And what mm. I talk about um, is that... Um, emotional nakedness mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. getting into that vulnerable space and mm -hmm. they recognize actually there's nothing weak about that mm -hmm. that's where you're going to start making some huge changes within the male mindset mm -hmm. i think covid has definitely brought a massive shift in the mindset so men are starting to communicate a little bit because you can see it i mean how can you not you yeah. know um we were talking about linkedin um a, a little while ago linkedin actually has a badge now that says open for work right that you put on your profile yeah. right now that a year ago probably you wouldn't, people wouldn't have done that. That would have been something that would have been a little bit more secretively, maybe a little bit of shame because I've just been made redundant or I've just been retrenched for my job. You know, there's a little bit of a, oh, let's not really talk about it. Let's not make that public. We'll just do this quite discreetly. Whereas yeah. you've got a huge platform like that, yeah. which um, to my knowledge, it's quite a global icon, that badge, isn't it? It's not it's, just here in, in England. No, it's, it's um, a global. It's all over. I, I used it. Um, yeah. I wore it for a month. I wore yeah, you yeah. Walk, it's a badge you wear, kind of on your profile. It was lovely to wear, um, yeah. because the messages that you get on the back of that are also a bit of a confidence boost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People recommending you. Um, yeah. I mean, I was found on LinkedIn through recommendations and comments of people and nice things that people had to say about yeah. you. That a, a time where it, it could have gone one way, it didn't. Yeah, it, it went positively, yeah. and that was another. Um, Something that I would say contributed to the my mental attitude at that time. Yeah, excellent, excellent. I do believe it's changing, though, Ricky. You know, um, and obviously, it's so important, like particularly, you know, for people like you, Ben, to be here tonight and to step up and let your story be heard a little bit, because that that goes a long way in breaking that mold. You know, mm. um, and I do think that. One thing we have learned in this year is that things have to change. Mm. We cannot keep, you know, adding the same ingredients and expecting a different cake because that train has long gone, yeah. you know. Um, so in terms of men mental health, a little bit more vulnerability is going to go a long way into people recognising that it's actually a strength and not a weakness. Almost definitely. I mean, before we, before we get into some further detail, I mean... 
um, just to reassure listeners and also, you know, our special guest Ben here, because um, um, if we were to we mentioned 2015, actually the year before that, so a year before we did this podcast, um, I was invited on uh, Radio 4 um, on a program called Shared Experience. And uh, the idea was that that people would sit around the table. Um, it just it, it just so happens I was the only male there, but um, we all we all talking about mental breakdown and and I was really reluctant to talk about this. Um, I just thought it was going to be like a you know like a phone in thing, something that was done live. And then they said, no no no, you're going to come down to um, we're going to put you on a train down to Bristol and. Um, and uh, I thought I was going to well, walking into a radio studio. Actually, we were we were sat around a, a, a kitchen table in the producer's house, and so you had the ambience of outside of like the birds tweeting away, and and you had like fruit bowls in the middle and all that. And somehow it just allowed us to feel at ease and open up. And as I say, I was the only guy there, but I felt once I'd shared my story, um, I felt like um, I was elevated enough to. Um, and and again, you know, Nikki talked about feedback from last week. Um, it was just great, and um, um, so I hope that our listeners out there, once we we learn more about Ben, um, they're inspired. Particularly if you are a guy and you're finding it hard to talk about your mental health, that we, you know, as as we said before, it you know, community peer support, it, it all it all works, doesn't it? So we we'll continue. So with that, um, Ben, do you want to give um, you know, in sharing sort of pre. Um, notes with with pre podcast notes with with Nikki that um, um, the issue of of suicide that you've had am I right in saying that you had fellow friends that have have you know you've lost people close to you and yeah so um, it's so people close to me that I've known who I've gone to school with yeah. um, in previous jobs um, women who I've worked with who have lost husbands and partners mm. through suicide mm. every. Every place that I've worked, I've known someone who's lost someone. Yeah. Um, and it's me personally. I've I've been in a position. Should we say it'll probably be seven seven or eight years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, in a in a previous job, I think weren't going right for me. Um, I was on the wrong side of management. Um, every little thing I did, I criticised myself for. I never looked at it positively if i made a mistake i was always put down for that um and there's i mean there's issues around workplace bullying issues around mental health and they, they kind of come in hand in hand and i wasn't bullied per se in the, in the job that i was in i just possibly wasn't in the right role for me mm. but i never took that at the time and i used to criticize myself constantly to the point where i was on a final warning in the in the job that i was in i just I kicked myself when I was down and I didn't talk to anyone about it. I didn't talk to my fiance, who's now my wife. Um, I didn't talk to family. I didn't talk to friends. Um, and I ended up going, I left work early and I went home. Um, I claimed I wasn't very well. I was, um, as in physically sick. Um, but mentally I just wasn't there. I wasn't in the room and I, I knew deep down something wasn't right um and i remember just sitting on the on the couch in my house um and thinking what options do i have what what do i do where do i go from here and that's the first time 
and the only time that I've personally thought about suicide. Mm. And it was it was awful to come to terms with. But quite reaffirming that I I was there at that time thinking about that and it it put me into a position to think, you know, there are some things that are more important and the way that I think now about the way that I was back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I've grown a lot. Um, I've developed and seen and mental health has kind of come to the forefront um, mm-hmm. in the media, in everyday life. Um, I, I, was, I wasn't in a good place back then. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, never, I never really got help for it. Mm-hmm. Um, the professional help. I just I found myself talking about it gradually in bits and pieces and sharing little bits of information and it, it took it took maybe two years um a, luckily a job move i found a, um, a job with a new company um and found a position that worked for me and what i was going for and what i wanted to do and it worked around my strengths um i i mean ultimately from being in the wrong job for me caused something that could have been so catastrophic for such a wider network of people um it's unthinkable and i think that there could be so many millions of people out there that are in the same position that feel tied down by mortgages and bills and just because of a job that doesn't work for them um it's sometimes I understand now it was, it's justified because that's the way that I was feeling at that time. Mm. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just something that, that people really need to talk about. But I, I got into a position where I was thinking about suicide because I couldn't share or even if I wanted to, I don't think I could have put how I was feeling into words. Um, and I remember just sat there feeling empty and I must have sat on the sofa for five six hours just staring in the space thinking um and every now and then we had a house rabbit at the time a little little house rabbit and he kept running up and sniffing at me and i I don't know i don't know whether that kind of something else to focus on and it just it brought me around at that time and you kind of think is it worth it what you're thinking about is it really what I want to do is it what I want people to remember me for um and it's it, it's sad that it's sad that I feel like I couldn't talk to anyone or share my feelings with anyone close to me and eventually I did eventually I learned to come to terms with how I was feeling but so many many people don't um recently on Twitter I mean I'm a Newcastle fan I've been a Newcastle fan all through my life um Snap. And there was a I said snaps, said, me too, yeah. Yeah, um, do you know about Martin Lorimer? Yeah, I do, yeah, yeah, sadly, yeah. 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 He, 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 posted a, he posted a picture of himself, and a, um, once a Geordie, always a Geordie, time to die. It, 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 it sits, because I remember seeing it last week, um, with a broken heart and a tear emoji. Um, and without thinking, I put a message on um, mm. the Samaritan's number and just saying that someone out there who will be there to speak to, even if you don't think it, you know. Um, thinking back, I wish I put my own number. He doesn't know me. I don't know him. Yeah. If there's any chance that he could have seen that, um, 
and I mean it drummed up a lot of support the club and um, players getting in touch. Yeah, the, the the captain um Jamil Lascelles put out a post and also the community foundation um yeah. also yeah. So there was a lot of support around that. Um Ben, that was an enormously powerful testimony. Um I was just wondering um before before this this that scenario, um and I'll and I'll ask again afterwards. Were you diagnosed with any sort of mental health condition pre or after, or was it, it was just? So would you put it down to then, just in a, a bad workplace situation, which which made your mental health deteriorate? Was it just all within the confines of that? What was going on then? I think I think it did. Um, I I was saying to to Nikki before the um before we started recording. I, I before that. I'd had um, issues with mental health when I was very little, maybe five or six, yeah. with what I now know as anxiety mm-hmm. before I would go to school. Um, mm-hmm. Suffering, sometimes I I would I only lived five, ten minutes away from primary school. And I used to walk around the corner of school, but sometimes that would take me 45 minutes to even get out of the house um, because of anxiety. I had issues with my weight when I was little. Um, mm-hmm. I had a skin condition called psoriasis, so I had a, like a, a patch of um, a large patch of uh, psoriasis that was physical. I was very conscious of mm-hmm. when I was younger, mm-hmm. but I was I was still quite a popular child at school. Yeah, but I was I was still anxious mm-hmm. to, to leave the house to get out there, um, and that's the only time before that that I would say that I'd kind of experienced any sort of, of mental health. But definitely that at, at that time in my life, it was a it was just a bit of a toxic work situation that, mm. that got out of hand for me mm. and I didn't know how to deal with it. Mm. I mean, I, I can relate to that. Um, at school, I, I, I had lots of anxiety, but you didn't. I didn't put it down to anxiety back then. I, I, I guess I just put it down to really bad nerves. Um, I, I think I've yeah. said this to Nikki before that when we were talking about seasonal affective disorder, um, you know, I, I would cry, uh, you know, when it when it came close to September, like, you know, going back to school. But it's just like I just put it down to bad nerves. But I would even do that on a Sunday, and it didn't matter what time of year it was, you know. But like yourself, um, it wasn't as if I was so, um, low, you know, least popular or anything like that. But when I do look at it back then, it makes you think about how mental mental health conditions can affect, you know, kids, and it probably hasn't been tapped into properly as of yet. But I think we are learning with the year that we've had. With the with the kids and schools issues, just what you know the child mental health issues can be. Um, just just one last question, Ben, before I pass on to Nikki. Um, so have you have you sought help afterwards? And if you have, um, what have they told you in terms of like a diagnosis, or was it just again, just a deterioration from from what happened at work? It, I, so I I sought help from my GP, but not until after so maybe two years after yeah. that I, I actually opened up about it and mm-hmm. we talked about how I was feeling and it, it was it was kind of addressed that yeah you potentially did have something that was going on then mm-hmm. but where I was now it I was not better I don't think anyone I don't think anyone Gets better. Yeah, it gets better. <laughs> it gets better. I think they just find ways of coping and yeah. ways of thinking that kind of get. It's not a cure. It's coping mechanisms they adopt, don't yeah. they, to deal with it? Yeah. It's it's it was really that I'd, I'd stuck a plaster on and that mm. plaster was pretty firm. Mm. Um, I knew where I was going. I had mm. a focus. Um, I've never 
ever had a diagnosis. Mm. Um, but you you see you see mental health everywhere, mm. and I can uh, and now I can relate to that. Um, I mean, I think I think what really drilled it home for a lot of people um, of kind of a younger generation would be things like Caroline Flack. Um, yeah. Her suicide was very. Powerful, like, yeah. I like yeah. Um, just on a footnote, um, what you said about the rabbit, because when I had um, when I had my own breakdown and my own sort of attempts at, at sort of you know ending it all, um, when I was tr- you know, in all my attempts of recuperating, as it were, um, and I just used to sit in the backyard, and it was actually my, I've told this a few few times actually. It was actually my neighbor's cat. She was a she was a black and white tuxedo cat, and. Um, she used to be really timid, just just didn't like any form of human contact. Let you know, uh, well, I say that it might might just be me. I don't know, but um, when I used to sit there, um, it was almost like she she had a sixth sense and she used to come up and sit with me and just sort of keep me company. And I was, I always remember that, even though it's something quite small, but yet powerfully symbolic, you know. Um, so yeah, I can relate to that. Um. Nikki, here listening to Ben there. How how common is this to to s- stories that you've heard? You know, people coming to see to to see you. Maybe from a an angle of like you know workplace bullying or work or things that they've seen workplace how it's affected them. How common is that? So, um, work does have a huge influence purely because of the amount of time we spend at work. Mm. You know, when we think about our goals, we always think about our work goals. We don't really think about our personal goals or our family goals, don't we? It's only New Year's <laughs> that we think about our personal goals and we make this little list and then those soon get pushed out the window and it becomes very much work-related. Mm-hmm. So, um, and if you look at the statistics of COVID at the moment, and in terms of mental health, the uncertainty in the work environment is definitely pushing up the mental health parameters. Mm. So we're seeing massive increase in um, mental health um, yeah. conditions being reported purely because of instability in the workplace, uncertainty, you know, job markets and things like that being unstable. So that's definitely having a massive effect on people at the moment. Mm. Um, whether it solely so i'm not diagnosing you here so i'm just going to put out a, a footnote that this isn't solely to you or no, no. what you're saying is a lot of it is stemming from other sources so when we're seeing um, stuff coming up at work so i'm not saying that bullying doesn't happen because absolutely it does happen but the impact that it has on your self-esteem, your self-worth, your self-confidence is often a reminder of something that's been experienced in the childhood yeah. Yeah. Mm. or maybe in the family home. So there was a dynamic or something. So there was a lack of that was created in your youth. Yeah. And what's happening is, is that you're in this work environment. So why would you flourish in one work environment, not in another work environment? Yeah. Yes, I understand you said the poor side of management, but there's also this reminder. So often what we're seeing is trigger. There's a triggering event that is causing. So it's almost like, um, you know, um, like you've got a fungus, well, feed the fungus and it's just going to grow exponentially so you put the right conditions in the workplace and they're going to trigger something some conditions beliefs about yourself that were learned in childhood are you also are you also saying that um that because ben mentioned he had 
issues with anxiety at a younger age that when it came to the workplace situation, it, it exas- exacerbated something there already in the past? Yeah, so I'm trying not to make this very specific to Ben because he's sitting in the hot seat and I don't want to put yeah, him in the hot seat. I know. But for those who are listening, who can relate to this story, if you look back, you know, you may have recognized actually, yes, something was going on in the childhood where I felt quite insecure or, you know, I felt, you know, even though I was popular, I had so many friends, I still always felt like, Mm. you know, oh, I was the phony, they were going to find me out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you bring that into the workplace, Mm. you bring that childhood condition into the workplace and you have a manager that maybe doesn't see your strengths or you're in a role where your strengths are not being identified and you're not working to those strengths well that's just it's you literally pouring fertilizer onto that Mm. onto that condition and that's just going to really grow out of proportion yeah you know, we've even got things, you know, like the imposter syndrome that you often see in the workplace where you feel like you're an imposter, right? And it's really about it's about your self-worth, your self-confidence and your self-esteem. Mm. So, again, you're looking at the effects of COVID right now. We're seeing massive mental health increase because of what's happening in the workplace, right? You know, we have furlough schemes being um extended till March, which gives people some security. But at the end of the day, you know, this is for some families, this is probably one of the toughest Christmases they've ever had to face. You know, it's gifts or it's food or it's electricity. Like, let's make a choice. Mm. I wouldn't want to be in that situation. And for families who are in that situation, that must be heartbreaking. And the amount Mm. of stress is just, Mm. you know, um, it's, it's hard for them to manage. Mm-hmm. So we've got that on the one side, but then you're looking at what is happening in when we look at workplace well-being. Yeah. Um, you're looking at what's happening within the workplace, but you also have to take it. So for me, I always work on the individual itself. It's the people. I build the people, mm-hmm. right? I change the workplace culture mm-hmm. and I build the people. And you have to look at each individual and go, hang on a second. What is happening within this individual that is responding to the situation and how can we change? So, you know, we talked about the plaster effect. Well, we can all put plasters on. We're very good at putting plasters on. We've been taught to put plasters on. And if you give them tools, and this is what this is all about, you know, Ricky, this is why I come to these shows is so that I can give people tools all the time, right? Yeah. So if you give people the right tools, they can make the changes within mm. themselves. Mm. They can find that pathway to health within themselves, mm. but they have to have the tools. Yeah. And we don't have tools by putting plasters on. Mm. Is it fair to say as well, Nikki? Um, and I'll make this last point in this before we talk about um, um, postnatal depression, which I think is a, an area we need to tap into specifically with 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 with, with fathers. But um, what if it's someone, for example, who hasn't had previous conditions, but arrives at a, at a situation like Ben's example of you know a tough work situation or any any life event which could be you know traumatic um that in itself is enough to deteriorate someone's mental health equally so you've said the word already traumatic Mm. awesome so you don't need to have had a previous experience and this is the one thing that we always will focus on you know we'll kind of um, talk ourselves out of something yeah and this is why things escalate because um oh, it's not that bad, you know, get over it or crack on, you know, the Geordie word, crack on. (laughs) Um, Or, you know, what am I complaining about? Other people have it worse. Man up. Man up, 
Oh, mm. because we're talking about mental manner. Yeah, perfect. Mm. The thing is, is that it's real for you. Mm. It may not be a trauma in someone else's life, but for you, it's very much so. If you've not experienced anything to this level, yeah, it is real for you. And this is where people, this is where we talk about this vulnerability, is getting emotionally naked with yourself. For you, it's very, very real. Mm. And you can't untalk yourself out of it. Mm. And the more untalking you do, the more damage you do. Sure. Yeah, I mean, from my my own experience with with my post traumatic stress disorder, I I, I definitely feel that um, because I had previous issues anxiety before the the actual trauma, it I it, it it kind of created a sort of a a toxic concoction of what later kind of you know sent me on on that sort of proverbial downward spiral. But yeah, fortunately, um um. I was able to to talk about it as is as is Ben is now, and we 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 thank him for being so candid. Um, uh, Ben. Um, so we we just mentioned before about postnatal depression, something that's always um ninety to ninety nine percent always associated with 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 mothers. But um, we we recently had um young fathers projects on 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 the radio show actually into the studio, and there's been been more and more evidence to suggest that. Postnatal depression does affect um, fathers as well, and you have experience of this. Do you want to sort of um, um, give us more detail on that from your own perspective? Yeah, of course. Um, I think my experiences come from not having relevant support there yeah. and not having people in my position. Mm. Like I mentioned, I've got I've got friends now who have younger children. Um, I mean, I know mine's only two, but younger than that. So at the time when when I had a little baby uh, and you have the pressure of having to keep that little baby alive, no matter what you do, it, it's daunting. It's daunting for anyone. Yeah, it's it's daunting for mothers. It's daunting for fathers. It's daunting for everyone who cares about that person. Mm. Um, and I think there's a, there's a lot of focus, and rightly so, on the, the moms to make sure that they're are getting the support that they need and I think sometimes the the, the dads don't get forgotten about I think the, the dads try to forget about it themselves because they think well why are my feelings important when really really I've not done anything yet I've, I've started the whole process you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm probably the reason that she's she's hitting on me right now. But the a lot of the focus is on the moms, and I, I think I think the dads just as well. When you get one little thing, it could be a lack of sleep. My daughter didn't sleep for the best part of eighteen months, and that was interesting. When you put two people who are so used to sleeping and getting a good eight hours a night. When you're getting two, three hours a night, it, it can have a massive effect on your mood, mm-hmm. your feeling, mm-hmm. your, just the way you operate as a human. Yeah. Um, and that, over time, can drill you down to the point where you go against each other mm-hmm. um, when you should be coming together and you should be supporting each other. And it's only after that time that you, you look back and think, well, actually, God, we were both suffering then. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I saw it in I saw it in you, but you didn't necessarily see it in me because I was just thinking about you, and we both did struggle. Mm. Um, we're in a great place now, and we are in a good place. But 
there are parents out there who continue to go through the process um, as their children get older um, and still struggle with those those day-to-day feelings that they find so hard to talk about. Um, And I think, as I mentioned previously, there's such a pressure on parents from all angles to be the perfect parent. Mm. Um, I think we see it on Instagram. It's so visual that you've got You've got the Beckhams who've got four kids and they're all beautiful and they're fantastic and rich mm. and great. And yeah, that, that's 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 not real. It's not real life. I mean, it, um, it doesn't sound something that you're like um, you're you're angry about, or it doesn't sound like something that you feel uh, that is a, there's a bias towards the, the mothers. Obviously, they're going through all the, the the physical changes, but I think what you're saying is that. That there's something there that needs to be tapped into the the men's mental health side of things need to be you know given more recognition in times like this. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm interested in in finding out just a little bit more about what do you think was happening for you that created that shift? Was it the fact that people weren't around anymore? Was it the fact that suddenly you've got a little baby that needs attention when it needs attention, and you know. This, this life as you had it before has completely, even though you prepared, you prepared for the nine, yeah. the nine months, but the impact is still so monumental, isn't it? It's, it's massive. It's, you think of, you think of what your world is. And I, I said it to my friends, I said, forget what you know, because everything changes when that little person comes along. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, f- for us, it was quite a gradual process as people weren't there for supporting. Um, and our support network around us was actually it was it's good it still mm. is good we still have parents who rely on for childcare, um and we and we have to at this stage but we it kind of it, it wasn't as constant and as you you kind of see that you notice your what was your previous life shall we say um slipping away a little bit you don't you start not to recognize who you are yeah. and you start to become daddy that's interesting. Would you say that there was you were worried about some sort of loss to your identity, almost something like them along them lines? Would you... I wouldn't say a loss to your, my identity because it was. I feel like children make extra parts to your identity. It enhances it, yeah, yeah. Different people, but there is a there's just a doubt of what's what's coming next, what's going to happen next. Yeah. Is it the yeah. fe- is it the fear of the unknown in in a way as well? Kind of? I think possibly, yeah. It it could well be the mm. not knowing what you're going into and how mm. could anyone know as as prepared as you could be. I I got a thing from other care. I think it was at the the time that was called a dad pad, um, right. and it was just a it was about a thirty page pamphlet basically mm. about what to do for dads like newborn information about like from how to change a nappy to what to do when they're choking on a little bit of food mm. it, it kind of carried you through the first six months mm. and i found that really helped mm. um to me to come to terms with what was coming next and i had mm. had that from probably when my wife was about six months pregnant, but I didn't actually read it until the baby was born. <laughs> yeah. So I would suggest if anyone is going to get it, read it before. Yeah. Now I gave it to my best friend who has a six-month-old now, mm-hmm. and I said, whatever you do, read this before the baby comes. Right. Because I didn't realise how important it was into yeah. making me realise yeah. all the kind of roles and responsibilities that are there, mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily have to think about them there and then. Mm-hmm. And I think that unknown kind 
the stems from well, what if this happens what if that happens what if yeah. that happens kind of dealing with them with the things as they come and mm. understanding what you need to do in those situations can really help mm. um and I, I think as you say possibly yeah the unknown is the scary bit mm. um because no one can know what's going to happen when that little person comes into your life but this year has helped change your life um and and you don't have to feel guilty for it being a negative change to your life either. Mm. Um, it can it can be the most positive thing in the world and still have a negative effect because of the way that you're thinking at that time. Or yeah. um, and th- there's no guilt there. Mm-hmm. But I think the more we understand our roles and responsibilities, and yes, the the mums are there and kind of get pulled from pillar to post by the baby. In those first weeks that we feel a little bit useless yeah i'm not a i'm not a parent um ben um but i as i mean for listeners out there we had a funny incident just happened a few minutes before where my smallest nephew interrupted proceedings shall we say and i would say i almost feel like a third parent to some extent and i do still i still whilst i have fun with them and and do all the games and of course in you know in lockdown we we spend a lot of time together fun and all that but you know, my oldest nephew has, like, you know, a couple of serious allergies. And, and, of course, the little one has got that kind of very sort of early kind of almost feral-like behavior that they have where they, if they see something small on, on, on the floor, is it is it food? Is it good enough to eat? And you just sort of worry your, your mind off, you know, things like that. So I do kind of, you know, share those anxieties. But I imagine as a parent, that that's kind of, that's sort of big. So I can relate to that as best as I can, even though I'm not, technically a parent but i speak from a very devoting uncle it's probably the nearest i can say on that but um you're very involved with your nephews yes um we've reached the end of this podcast and it's i i you know i I feel it's like one of the best ones we've ever done um largely thanks to 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 you ben for being so candid and and um i understand this is the first time you've you've talked about your experience is that is that right sort of in, yeah in, in in this to this extent yeah um like i said i've talked in snippets yeah. you've had little bits and about stigma uh, in in men's mental health what would you say to any guys out there listening who feel feel at a low place that you know that you can relate to and just inspire them to open up like you have yeah um I'll say it because I, I posted it most recently on, um, I go back to Martin Lorimer, um, mm. the, the Newcastle family sadly um, took his life. Uh, the, you don't know who's there for you mm. until you speak out. Mm. You don't know who will come to your aid until they know something's wrong. Mm. People aren't necessarily going to ask you if you're okay. Mm. And if they do, are you necessarily going to share that information? So try and be as open. Yeah. Um, try and look out for your friends, it, mm. men, women, anyone. Mm. Just try and be there for someone and feel that they will be there for you in the same situation. Mm. Uh, I know I've got a great set of friends who I, I know can be there for me. Mm. Um, but there are also things that potentially I wouldn't feel comfortable talking to them about that I would speak to my wife about. Mm. So so kind of know your, your support network that's there. Um, mm but never be scared of speaking out because somebody will help. And to echo what Nikki said, that, you know, it's to talk about these issues, it's it's a strength, isn't it? It's not a weakness. And I think that's the most important um, message that we, we, we give out there. Um, 
awesome um that wraps up episode uh, 32 um just for you listeners out there um we're going to record another one next week uh, it'll be our xmas edition all the things regarding um mental health conditions well-being conditions revolve around christmas and of course this is a very much going to be a very different Christmas compared to all these that we have, so it'll make that discussion really interesting. So we'll look forward to that. Um, anyone who's got any questions regarding that, please get in touch. Um, um, Nikki will be more than delighted to respond. Um, so that wraps up episode uh, 32. Uh, join us again next week. Uh, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Nikki, and we'll catch you again soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye.